Amen. Hey, tell your neighbor, you're looking good, and you may be seated. Well, I'm running late this morning, so you're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to talk fast, you're going to listen quick, and we're going to go for it. How about that? We had a great time uh, on vacation. We went to Colorado, but a great, uh, actually, our grandson was with us, and his mom and dad, and uh, crazy thing about, yeah, a grandson was there, and my mom came big time, but I was expecting to have a summer vacation, and it snowed three days. So here you are griping about 90-degree weather in Texas, and I'm <laughs> griping about 30-degree weather in Colorado, but uh, we're very, very happy to be back with you. Uh, I want to take a moment, because I think this is important. You know, when you're away, you think about things. You think about, in my case, the church I, I, I attend, that I pastor, where I am. And uh, as I said, I read a couple personal emails that day, and one made me cry. I read it half a dozen times because I genuinely believe that, that uh, God is in our midst. And though certainly not perfect, uh, that we genuinely try to help people and, and, and make a difference in the world. I got a letter from one of our church members. I'm sharing it with permission. She's a mom, uh, married, several kids, been coming to the church, very, very nice, sharp family. But um, here's what she said. I woke up this morning overwhelmed with gratitude, so I wanted to say thanks. There's so many things I'm grateful for that it would be impossible to name them all, but at least I have to say how grateful I am for your help raising my children. As I watched my child help lead worship in Powerhouse last night, I was so impressed with the team of kids on the stage, not just because they're talented, but more importantly, their gifts are recognized. We have a teenage worship team. That actually, they're going to be leading worship here in a couple of weeks in our main service. They're talented, but more importantly, their gifts are recognized, enhanced while they're young. The same is true in children's ministry upstairs. Last week, I went upstairs to pick up my son, and I was able to stand outside a preschool classroom and eavesdrop while he was volunteering as a part of J. Crew. We have a practice in our church where older kids are involved in mentoring younger kids. They help the assistant to the teacher. In this case, you got a preschool class, and you got a boy that's, you know, 9, 10 years old, maybe 11. Uh, so mom's outside listening and eavesdropping. She said, I, I wanted to cry as I saw him operating with confidence I rarely see in him. Our church is different. It's special. I believe the kids aren't just put on stage to perform or stuck in classrooms to fill empty spots. But first and most importantly, they're taught the Word and encouraged to pursue the voice and presence of God. It's incredible to me that my boys have one at a time all come to a place where they don't solely depend on mom to tell them what God thinks about things. Instead, they pursue God on their own and are able to help more, clear, help, uh, more clearly see His will and direction for areas of their lives. They recognize the Holy Spirit and His voice. So as a mom, I'm able to guide them towards their own convictions instead of having to lead them only towards obedience. It's made all the difference in the choices they've made. You guys have helped me get to that place. And as a matter of fact, uh, my son said a couple weeks ago that if he had to name the five most influential people in his life, two of our pastors would be among them. I can't imagine anything that can make me more confident about the direction he's headed than that. So again, thanks for all of you. The influence a church and staff makes in the community and around the world make me proud to be a part of it. But the influence you've all made in my home goes way beyond what I could have hoped for from a church. While raising my kids may not be in your job description, you're all sure helping us do it, and it couldn't be happier or more grateful to have the help. That just that made me feel good. And I don't read it because it's me. I read it because it's us. And I say, let's keep it up. 
before I left on vacation, I, I started a series called Supernatural. Supernatural. It's about experiencing the power and presence of God in everyday life. Now, that's a big statement in a secular world, but it's biblical. My text this morning, Psalm 16, verse 11, you, God, have made known to me the path of life. And I want you to say this with me. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. In your presence. This is what we're going to talk about this morning, experiencing the presence of God in everyday life. Another translation says, being with you will fill me with joy and at your right hand, I'll find pleasure forevermore. Now, I can understand saying that my daughter and my wife on the front row here, being on vacation with them or, you know, uh, Sunday afternoon after church, being with them brings me great joy. And I can understand it because I can see them, feel them, and touch them. But I can't see, feel, or touch God. But there is a spiritual sense about the presence of the Lord that God desires to manifest to people. Now, I'm, unfortunately, there's also weirdness, deception, and emotionalism when people talk about the presence or the nearness of God. Some people say they experience God while on drugs. They're mistaken. Some people practice Eastern meditation. They empty themselves of consciousness and try to find a higher power. I don't doubt they find a higher power, but it's not the God of the Bible. New Age practices... Some people think they see Jesus in odd places. For example, here's a picture in an Ikea store. Uh, they, they put up wooden doors and stained them. And they thought they saw Jesus. A woman opened a jar of jelly. You have to turn your head a little bit. But she thought she saw Jesus. I think people are genuinely looking for God, but that's not the way you find him. This is what I want to do today. I want to look in this message at two parts as we talk about the reality of the presence of God. We're going to look at some trustworthy biblical examples. We're going to follow a biblical path so you and I can be closer to God every day. I'm going to do kind of a panorama. and I'm going to have to beg five, ten minutes longer today because I was a little late. But we're going to go from Genesis to Revelation. And I'm going to show you it, where people experience the presence of God. And it was a real part of their life. It wasn't spooky or weird, but it was normal, and in many cases it was rescuing, it was refreshing, it was strengthening to them. And then we'll talk about a two, couple practical ways so we can be in position each day to experience God's presence. So let's talk about, I've entitled the message, The Manifest Presence of God. And I'll define it in a moment, but let's look first in the Old Testament, Adam and Eve. The book of Genesis is in many ways an example, a paradigm, a model. It's the book of beginnings, how God wants things to be. i got a little vibration going on here in our sound. Okay, don't say anything else. Genesis 3.8. Adam and Eve, shortly after the fall, uh, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. This is after sin came. But listen, the man and his wife hid themselves... From the presence of the Lord. They hid themselves from His presence. Now, God was near to Adam and Eve. They saw God face to face. The only other person recorded in the Bible who saw God face to face was Moses. Uh, clearly, Jesus did. Perhaps Enoch. Enoch, an Old Testament figure. The Bible says he walked with God and God took him to heaven. He was no more. We don't know. 
But this face-to-face communication, this talking with God was the way it should have been. Sin came into the world and it was clouded somehow. But in the book of Revelation, we'll see in heaven, once again, we'll see God face-to-face. But in this period between Genesis and heaven, God still wants to reveal His presence to us. God wants to make Himself real to us. Yesterday morning, I I have a habit. I I get up and I I walk around my circular drive and I'm praying. And typically, my prayers have structure. There's a lot of petition. There's a lot of request. But as I walk down my sidewalk, it 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 was early in the morning. It was a brilliant blue sky. It was green trees that were, that were cast against the blue sky. And I was just in awe of God. I don't have to say it any other way. My prayer yesterday was not asking God for this, for that, to do this. to do. It was simply walking around with my arms lifted saying, What a wonderful God you are. God, you're great in ways I can't imagine. Lord, you care for me. You provide for me. You provide the beauty that's around my yard, the flowers. You've given me a home to stay. And it's almost like God just began to get closer. I didn't see anything with my eyes, but there was an awareness of this. Adam and Eve had more than that. They saw God face to face. Now, this word manifest, it means obvious to the understanding. God was obvious to me yesterday. I had a friend, he was a parent. Yesterday, uh, last night in the service, someone came to me after church and said, you know, I was in my car one day and I was just no radio. I was just being with the Lord. Uh, And he said, I felt the presence of the Lord so strong I had to pull my car off the road and just be with God. This is what we're talking about today. Manifest. The word presence, it's a Hebrew word that literally means face. So manifest presence implies an awareness of God, an intimate relationship. I cannot tell you that you'll ever see God face to face on this side of eternity. But I will share with you some examples today in the Bible where people had great impactful encounters with the presence of God. It was not weird, but it was real. And it should be desired by God's people. An awareness that God is near. We're struggling with this, this anxiety that I've battled with for four years, panic attacks and all that kind of stuff. It just lives in my background and every once in a while it pushes me. I read my Bible, even this morning, and it says, God is near, so I shall not fear. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, it, and it's like those words bring an awareness of the nearness of God, His manifest presence. Let me give you a couple quick Old Testament examples, some very dramatic. Uh, Moses and Israel, of course, the whole Old Testament is dramatic. Creation is dramatic. Uh, when, when, when the ten plagues in Egypt, how many know God revealed Himself through these plagues? Um, very dramatic. When the Red Sea opened, very dramatic. When God uh, gave them water that came out of a rock, dramatic. Uh, fed them with manna, very dramatic, God manifesting himself. Well, as it, Moses is leading a couple, couple million people through the wilderness to the promised land. Interesting verse, Exodus 13. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. Now, God was not the cloud, but somehow the, the cloud became his clothing, as it were, to lead them along the way. And at night, a pillar of fire to give them light. We see clouds, we see fire in the Old Testament. God revealed himself through a burning bush to Moses. He revealed himself to the human race through a rainbow. 
If you talk to a scientist, he'll, he'll tell you about the prisms of life and of light and now the reflections and all that. But the Bible tells us that there was no rain. There was no rainbow before the destruction after the flood of Noah. And then God made a promise to the human race, I'll never again destroy the world with a flood and I'll put my bow in the clouds. So every time you see a rainbow in the clouds, it's like God speaking directly to the human race. Old Testament, God showed himself, revealed himself through visions and dreams, miracles, prophecies. Uh, a still, small voice to the prophet. A multitude of ways, but one that in particular that, 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 that speaks to me. When Solomon dedicated the Old Testament temple, he brought the Ark of the Covenant. This was where the Ten Commandments were. Uh, Aaron's rod that budded. A jar of manna. It was a sacred, holy place hidden in the Holy of Holies. And when they brought that into the temple, think a little bit about Indiana Jones. Not too much, okay, but a little bit. And they brought it into the Holy of Holies. Here's what happened when they dedicated the temple. Now, and, I, and as I share this with you, I'm not just going to give facts from the Bible. I want to kind of show some roads. When we were in Colorado, I was looking for elk sheds. And, 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 and so that was my kind of hobby. And, and I would look for roads off the beaten path. Uh, and the National Forest was huge, but I'm driving 65 miles an hour down the paved road, and I see a small brown sign and a gate, and, and, and I see a gravel road. I knew it was an entrance into the National Forest. Well, and similarly, in these scriptures, we're going to look for entrances into the presence of God. We're going to look at what other people, not so we might just duplicate, but so we might be our, in position. Well, they're dedicating the temple, and not only was Solomon there, but he had trumpeters and singers. This is worship. It's big. To make themselves heard in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And the operative word, when the song was raised. In other words, when they began to sing praise to God in worship, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. The cloud's the second time we've heard about it. The priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. In other words, those that were serving there, the ushers, the greeters, everything they were doing, they just kind of fell to the floor. They were immobilized. They couldn't move. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Now, wouldn't that be cool? The best thing we've got is this little, this little fog thing, the machine they turn on, that makes the lights work a little bit better, and sometimes they leave it on too long, and as they turn it off, I can't, you know... This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about God manifesting himself. Now, I've never seen anything. I've talked to people that said they have. It's, you know, between them and God if they have. I haven't. I'd sure like to. How about you? But God revealed himself. Now, let's look in the New Testament. All that was a little foundational. The New Testament is much more relevant to us today. Uh, the New Testament, the book of Acts in particular, is the starting of the church, and the church has never ended. The book of Acts, as it were, is a book that's still being written today. The Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Church. Not written in terms of Scripture, but written in terms of the history of the people of God. So when I see manifestations of God in the New Testament, it gives me a greater confidence that these things could happen in my life today. And we're going to look at three examples. Uh, first is Peter and John. Now, it's shortly after the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has come to the church. And this is very key. Next week, we're actually going to begin talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. 
Um, in the early church, uh, Peter and John went to the temple to pray. There was a crippled man. And through a gift of the Holy Spirit, they were able to heal this crippled man. He walked to his feet. And you'd think, and people became Christians, you'd think everybody would be excited, but they weren't. The same Jews who killed Jesus now want to kill Peter and John. So they arrest them, throw them in prison, and here's where the story picks up. Acts 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John go back to their own people. This is why you need to be a part of a local church. Come on, you need some own people to go to. You know, you don't just need to call some TV preacher when you're in trouble. You, you, you need friends to go to. You need, and, and you need more than just a Sunday service to come to. You need friends in the congregation. That's why we have small groups. Um, but anyway, they go back to the own people. They report all the chief priests had said. And when they heard this, now listen, this is another door into the forest. They raised their voices together in. The last door was in worship. Now we see in prayer, similar to what we did as a church earlier for America, but I imagine their prayer was a lot more intense. They prayed to God, but notice what they prayed. Now, i got to be honest. (laughs) My first impulse to pray is when I'm in trouble is God take the trouble away. My first impulse to pray is, Lord, don't let them hurt me. But this is not, and and you're going to see this thread run through all three of my examples. They say, Lord, consider our, uh, their threats and give us, uh, uh, let us speak your words with great boldness. And here's the phrase I'm going to use. They're men on a mission. They're women on a mission from God. And the mission was more important than their own personal safety. And then they said, not only do we want to preach the gospel, verse 30, we want to see you do miracles through us. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus. In other words, miraculous acts that cause people to believe. Miraculous acts done not just in a church service when everything is perfect, but out in the world in the nasty now and now. Lord, do miracles through me at Walmart. Do miracles through me at Cooper Tire. Do miracles through my life when I'm in Hobby Lobby, when, when I'm in the mall, wherever I am, Lord. Let me be a preacher and a minister. And then something happened. Here's where the whole story is going. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was I read in the paper this morning, uh, Liberty Ilo had an earthquake last night. That's what my paper said. I had to read it twice to make sure I had it right. 2.5, and uh, they said some people's houses shook, and it was a boom. Well, I've been in earthquakes, but I've, I've never been in a place where God shook the church building. But notice this next phrase. Now they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to talk more fully about what that means. But doesn't that sound like God is revealing himself? That something about people in God are coming closer together and something supernatural is happening. And when this happens, they all speak the word of God boldly. So here's kind of a lesson I gleaned from this. God manifested his presence to people who were on a mission for God when they prayed for his help to accomplish it. So it was not some spiritual entertainment. It was not just in response to needs and problems. But it was people that were after God. And I think uh, that that inspires me. Let's look at another example. It's an individual now. His his name is Paul. And ironically, he's arrested too. And he's arrested for preaching Jesus. Now here's his his story many chapters later. Acts 22. The Lord had spoken to his heart 
There's the presence. He knew he was supposed to go to Jerusalem. Numbers of people had prophesied over him. God's revealing himself through the gift of prophecy. To go to Jerusalem, he gets there, and if I can say it politely, all hell breaks, breaks loose. Uh, they figure out that he is, uh, he, he's a guy that's been preaching uh, what they interpreted against Judaism. Though he actually wasn't. He was preaching a fulfillment of Judaism. But basically a riot breaks out, and they try to kill the guy. The Roman head soldier, uh, he gets all the guys, and they rescue him. And then they bring him, and he's going to figure out what's going on. So he brings what's called the leading Jewish priests and uh, the Jewish council and Paul. And now we're going to figure out what's happening. So here's the story. The commander orders the leading priests into session with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble was all about. Well, as the conflict grew more violent, now we've got these people. He's got them out of the crowd, and now they're with just a couple handfuls of religious people. <laughs> and they're trying to kill Paul too. So he ordered the soldiers to take him back to the fortress. Mind you, now Paul's there because God told him to go. And then he finds himself alone at night. And look at verse 11. Here's our verse. And I want you to read this. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul. I want you all, let's all say that. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul. Now, you may say, well, I thought the Lord, Jesus, was at the right hand of God the Father. Well, I did too. That's what the Bible says. I don't know if this was a, a physical appearance. Uh, the ESV says, which is a, a great translation, that the Lord stood by him. I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know how it happened. It doesn't matter to me. All I know is God is manifesting his presence. God stood by him and said this, be encouraged. Now, here's a guy, listen, that's nearly beaten to death. I, and if Jesus says, looks at you, and you know it's the Lord, and he said, you're going to be okay. Uh, just you've been a witness here in Jerusalem. You've got to preach the good news in Rome. It's almost like all the persecution and craziness and junk and problems didn't matter because Jesus was there. Once again, Jesus is revealing himself to a Christian who's being persecuted for serving him. And a man that was afraid found comfort and found great direction when God drew near to him. And this is what I want to say. I'm not suggesting to you that you're going to see Jesus. But what I am saying is that God wants to draw near to you. Whether you're sitting at your desk fretting about how you're going to pay this big bill because you lost the contract. Whether you're struggling because Social Security is not enough. Whether you're, you know, your child is doing drugs or whatever. You know, whatever the deal is that in your life, God wants to be near to you. Yes. He wants to, in some fashion, help you in what you're dealing with. Let me give you one more example. Stephen. And I didn't intend it this way, but these three examples all bear one thing in common. Stephen now is witnessing to Jews. He's a deacon. He's not an apostle. He's a godly man. And one of the best summaries of the whole Old Testament is Acts 7. If you find the Old Testament confusing to you, join the club. But Acts 7 kind of hits all the high points of it. Well, he talks about the Jewish history, and then all of a sudden something comes on Stephen. It was the Holy Spirit. And he speaks strong to these people that are defying Jesus Christ. And they flip out. They flip out. Uh, they heard these things and they were enraged. Now, friend, when the Bible says they were enraged, they picked up rocks and they're going to kill this man. Now, this is as tough as it gets, but I want you to see what happened next. Look at verse 55. But Stephen, and here's this phrase, full of the Holy Spirit, 
full of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't argue theology with me just a second. It, it just has to be better to be full of the Holy Spirit than not full of the Holy Spirit. Now, what it means, we have a little disagreement on that. But it's got to be better if you're full of it, full of him. Not full of it, but full of him. Stop that. Now, let's read it. Full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven. Say this. He saw the glory of God. And now he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. The Christ who is seated at the right hand of the Father is now standing as if to express his concern. It's almost like we look and we see what our physical eyes see. What the secular science tells us, if it can't be seen or observed or quantified, uh, it's not real. But it's almost like there's a giant zipper. And it unzips and opens up this reality into the spiritual reality. And God unzipped it so Stephen, before he was crucified, killed, stoned to death, could see it. And he saw Jesus. The glory of God typically is a light, a reflection, a manifestation of, of some kind. Now, these are not Old Testament saints, Fargo. This is our heritage as Christians. These are people that went before us that were, that were struggling. Um, you can't make things like this happen. I think sometimes we who have an experience with God try to duplicate it in others and we get in the flesh and mess up. I would even say that I, I'm a, uh, by large, I'm a, product, I'm a product of a lot of Christian influences, but the last 40 years I'm a product of charismatic, neo-Pentecostal, Pentecostal, full gospel, whatever you want to call that, expression that believes that the book of Acts and the activity of the Holy Spirit can be happening today. But it's almost like that whole movement that was so great. And it was a movement that swept the world. And listen, do you know today, if you look at Christians across the planet, the largest group of Christians are those that believe in this second experience with the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders. But anyway, um, it, it, one thing emerged from this movement, and it was the capacity, the supernatural ability to pray to God or worship God in a language you didn't know. Yeah. And the interpretation uh, of that, experience was called speaking in tongues and boy has it polarized the body of Christ and one of the see some of you have already stiffened up on me and, and I think one of the reasons it polarized is because well-meaning Pentecostal people defined that experience as how to be in the spirit club come on and if you didn't have it you weren't in it and and if God wasn't going to baptize you in the spirit we were going to get you baptized in the spirit and somebody would help God. They would just say, okay, now I'm going to lay my hands on you and I want you to just repeat after me. Say, Hyundai, 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 Hyundai. Toyota, 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 Toyota. Hondo, 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 Chevrolet, Chevrolet, Chevrolet. Now I'm being a little funny, but not too. And what it did is it shrunk the holy club to only people that were in it and then it became more defensive. Shame on us. Or, or, or whatever. You understand. You have the same thing happen. If you had an encounter with God listening to a certain song and it made you cry, you're just about going to force your friends to listen to that song. And by God, you're going to have cry just like I cried. And if you don't cry, I'm going to talk to you about your dead grandmother until you cry. We, we want people to experience this. But listen, you can't force 
the genuine manifestation of God. But what we can do is we can get ourselves in a position. And I want to close the message with this. Um, How can we experience God's presence? Uh, No formula, but let me give you a promise. James 4, 8, the New Testament says, say this with me, come near to God and God will come near to you. Now, if God is coming near to you, come on, shouldn't you be aware of that? Punch your neighbor and say, tell them the truth whether we agree or not. Sure you should. So it's his invitation. Well, here's the first one. Let me give you two kind of positioning statements. The first is you and I, the most important part of our Christian life, need to schedule a daily quiet time with God, to be with God, to allow Him to speak to us, to allow Him to be near. The reason I had that encounter in my prayer time yesterday is because I got my booty out of bed and I went outside and started walking and praying. I'm going to give you two things about it. One is about the place of God's Word, the Bible, and the second is about prayer, talking to God. Listen to the Bible now. I'm going to read an interesting passage, Luke 24. Uh, Jesus has been resurrected. Two disciples are walking down the Emmaus Road with Jesus, and and they don't even know it's Jesus. Listen to this interesting passage. Uh, after they, then they stop at, the, I guess, the local Taco Bell, and Jesus is at a table. Ouch. were open and they recognized him and he vanished and he vanished from their sight how about that is that better all right can they not at the taco bell there's somebody's house and they're at a table he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and gave it to them and notice the next phrase their eyes were It's like something covered their eyes from recognizing God. They recognized him. He vanished from their sight. Now, let's keep going. And they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? It's as if the Bible that they had read, perhaps factually, now became read to them and it embraced their hearts. They had an encounter with God through His Word. Now, I don't have time to develop that further, but let me say this. God will speak to us. When I read my Bible, I read it, first of all, for truth. I read it for historical fact. For example, yesterday I read a story about a church in Atlanta, Georgia, that is hiring, uh, that is hiring a, a, a person that has a gift to speak to the dead. Now, that's clearly forbidden in the Bible, but... But a church hired a staff member that says they can talk to your dead relative. Well, I'd know that that was the wrong thing to do if I just simply read my Bible. But then there's something beyond that where the Holy Spirit speaks individually to us in the midst of our needs and opportunities. Let me give you the second thing here. It's about prayer. Prayer, and I want you to think beyond the typical word we use so often, but prayer is simply talking to God. It is being still. Prayer is listening to God. 
And if I can draw on my old Methodist heritage, there was a song we used to sing. It was written in 1912 by Charles Mills. I come to the garden alone. Now, I know this is not the Bible, but I want you to just see the verses of this as a testimony of a man who is living this. I come to the garden alone. Now, his testimony was it was John 21. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. In other words, it's early in the morning. Nobody else is there. And notice what he says. The voice I hear falling on my ear. Who is it? The Son of God discloses. Now, if you were to say, if you were to tell someone that God talks to you, they'd call a psychiatrist. But in, but in reality, in Scripture and in testimony of life, it happens. He walks with me. I bet he didn't see him with this eye. But I bet he saw him with his spiritual eye. He talks with me, and he tells me I'm his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Have you just been with God, and you felt his presence so strong, you didn't want to shut your Bible, you didn't want to stop the prayer walk, you didn't want to turn off the music? It's a wonderful gift that people don't know Christ can't understand because God reveals himself to his people. You'll never know what can happen when we spend time with God, friends. But if you do, I promise you, your life will be better. Let me, let me close quickly here with this, the second part of it. You're in position in your daily life, your time with God, but you're in position for his presence in corporate worship with other believers. I want to read this scripture, Psalm 100, come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with singing, know that the Lord, he is God. Is it just possible that the knowing could come when you're worshiping our God? That there is a deep, settled knowing that's not just processed cognitively, but in our heart, in our spirit, in who we are that comes through worship. Didn't Jesus himself say, and this was not about worship, but didn't Jesus say where two or three are gathered in my name? There I am among them. Our worship is an invitation for God to come and reveal himself and to speak to us through songs, spiritual worship, acts of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I would go as far as to say some of my greatest encounters in my life with God have come in a corporate worship service. Sometimes I have fallen on my face. Sometimes I have wept. Sometimes I have danced for joy. Worship is like, it's like a magnet. Worship draws God to come. Not because he's some egomaniac, but it's an invitation as we recognize his goodness and the grandeur and the glory of our God. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of praise. Well, listen, next week we're going to explore this a little deeper. We're going to, uh, next week we're going to begin to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus even said this about the Holy Spirit. He said that he's with you, but one day he'll be in you. And if God is in me, then it makes sense I should be aware of it. Come on, give the Lord one more good hand today. He's worthy of praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me, and I, I want to read a closing scripture. You remember we started in, in the book of Genesis, and Adam and Eve were walking with God face to face? 
Listen to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21. John now, again, has had a, a vision to write this great book of Revelation. And in this great book of Revelation, John sees past time on earth. John is able to look forward now to when time is no more. And in Revelation 21, life as we know it on earth is over. And John says this, there's a new heaven and a new earth. And John said, I heard a loud voice from the throne of God. And the voice said this, say this with me. Now God's presence is with people. And he will live with them. And they'll be his people. God himself will be with them. And will be their God. One day... You're going to look it up, and it's not going to be the same thing you've always seen. One day, Robert, for the first time, you're going to look at Jesus, and he's going to call your name. One day, for the first time, you're going to hear, Dorothy, I'm glad you're here. One day, you're going to say, Steve, you made it. No matter what they said, you made it. <laughs> I'm just teasing. One day you'll hear the sweetest sound you've ever heard, Rebecca, when Jesus looks at you eye to eye and says, Rebecca. See, one day the God who intended to be close all along, sin has been in the way. And when sin is set aside, we'll see him as he is and he'll know us as we are. Come on, give him one more big hand today. You know what? Until that time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk down those roads in that forest I'm looking for something. My prayer life is going to be very deliberate and consistent. I'm going to take time to be with God every day of my life. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be still. I'm going to worship with you. You know, I was on vacation and we did the live stream, but can I tell you, live stream is not the same because nobody was singing in our car when we were watching the live stream. I'm going to worship with you every chance I get. But I'm going to do my best to be on a mission from God. I'm going to be like Peter and John and the apostles. They were out serving the Lord when the room shook. Paul, when he got thrown in jail and Jesus showed up to him, he was simply a man headed to Rome. Stephen, when he was about to breathe his last breath, he was a man that had given his life to serving the Lord. I want to live my life that way. How about you? Well, Lord, that's what our prayer is this morning. We're not asking for certainly spooky, weird, or unnatural, but we are asking for the reality that God is near, that we would know you. Jesus, you told us that your sheep know your voice. We want to hear your voice. We want to be keenly sensitive to know when it's not just a church service we're having, but Jesus is in our We don't want to be ashamed to fall on our face. Lord, we don't want to be ashamed to clap our hands with joy. We welcome you today. Help us live the life that's pleasing to you. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. Don't let our eyes be closed like they were on the Emmaus Road. Reveal yourself to us in Jesus' name. And we're going to close this way. We're going to have one last song. And I ask you, if you just don't have to be somewhere right away, just hang on just a second. 
let them sing this last song because I'm going to invite people to the altar for prayer and I don't want anything to hinder them. Certainly we'll pray for anything you have need of. If there's needs or problems in your life, we'd like to pray for that. But, you know, this might be a great service where you just want somebody to pray for you to get closer to God. Maybe you've tried and it's just been hard for you. Maybe this idea of being full of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want someone to pray with you about that. I don't know what it is. But if you want some prayer for maybe like something more from God, it'd be a great time to come. I want you here and I'll close with this. The most important prayer we'll pray, though, is not for the Christians that are here, but for those that could become a Christian today. And I say that in no way of being superior to anybody. I went to church as a boy, as a teenager. My mom made me go. But how many know going to church doesn't get you to heaven? It's like you're driving a car and you come to a T in the road and you only have two choices, go left or go right. I suggest to you today as a stopping point for many, to go left is to leave this place and live the life you've been living. But to go right is to begin following God. Following God is a defining moment of our life when Jesus becomes first and foremost. Because you never know what might happen to you in this life. You see, Ken Adams here. Ken's been a church member since I was here. Ken had a motorcycle accident a few weeks ago. Could have killed him. You never know when death will come. Don't, don't put off getting right with God. Let Jesus come and be the Lord of your life today. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've just, you're honest enough to say the places you've been looking for happiness have not done it for you. You thought money would do it or cars or relationships or accomplishments, but at some point, People forget the trophy that was so important. See, what's most important in life is a real relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and the weight of your sins will you down. And I understand that. I understand knowing, feeling ashamed before God, but not knowing how to get rid of it through God's forgiveness. It can all happen, friend, when you receive Christ as your Savior. And if you're here today and say, Pastor, it's like you're talking to me right now. Well, let me say this. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit using my words because He loves you. And whether you've never committed your life to Christ or you've gotten away and you want to come back, when they start singing this song, I'm going to ask you to take a bold step, slip out of your chair, and come over to the cross. And the reason I ask you to take that step is this. If you, don't, if you can't walk away from something in church where people will clap and smile, you'll never do it out in the world. Following Jesus is not a private thing. Following Jesus is not a good time thing. Following Jesus, come on, is the best path you'll ever take in your life. And we'd be honored to pray with you as you make this first step to Christ. So go ahead and begin to sing, Pastor Zach, because they're saying our worship team is, I mean, our prayer team is coming to the front now. If you need prayer for anything before we dismiss, prayer team, come on up to the altar. They're going to be here waiting for you. Most importantly, if you need to get right with God, don't let anything stop you. We will see you at the cross. I love you. Thanks for coming. Lord,